Lord, may the Lord be with you all. So we're in John chapter 10 of our uh, study of the Gospel of John. Our brother Mark did a fabulous job last week opening up the chapter, giving us, you know, just wonderful illustrations of uh, the the shepherd-sheep relationship, right? Bruce and I were talking about Mark's uh, sermon there this week, and it was just um, one one thing that Mark said that we that we both emphasize is that Mark said that um, the sign of a healthy sheep is that it likes to eat, right? Not saying, you know, if you have, they have a good appetite, you're a healthy Christian, but I think you get the illustration. If you don't get the illustration, talk to Mark after. He'll explain it to you. So, so let's open up our word, John chapter 10, beginning at verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in, a, sorry, in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one, no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who, is, uh, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, it is, not, uh, is it not written in your law, I have said to you, uh, said, you are gods? If you call them gods, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father has set apart as his very own and, set in, and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we just praise you and give you glory. And Lord Father, continue to thank you daily and daily and over and over for your word. For within your word, Lord Father, are the words of eternal life, the revelation of who you are, of your holiness, of your justice, of your wrath, but of your mercy and grace and your desire for all mankind to be saved. Bless this on to us, Lord Father, as we open this, as we expound on your word, in Christ Jesus' name, amen. So the chapter starts off, uh, Festival of Dedication. Most of us know that this is uh, 
Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah is the what took place in one six, between 167 and 160 BC with the the, the Maccabean revolt against the Seleucid Empire, who who had been ruling and reigning in that that part of the world in, in Jerusalem and, and uh, to, to the north and east. And uh, uh, Judah Maccabee and his followers, through guerrilla warfare, um, took back Jerusalem, rededicated the temple. Right? So now the Jews celebrate this rededication, or Hanukkah. And after that, there was a high anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. After that point. And even in Jesus' day, there's high anticipation of the Messiah coming. And at that time, there were a lot of people coming forth claiming to be the Messiah, Right? But then John the Baptist came proclaiming that the Messiah is coming, you know, repent, uh, be prepared, the kingdom is coming, and he testified to Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus of Nazareth came on the scene. So we can, so we can understand now the, the, the anticipation or the anxiety of the Pharisees at this point, right? Um, Messiahs have come and gone, but now there's this Messiah, and he's doing signs. And he's got this prophet testifying. And so these Pharisees, you know, they're curious. Is this the real Messiah? So we can understand, you know, how long will he keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus said, I told you. I have told you. But you don't believe. I have shown you. I've done many good works for my Father, and they testify of me. But you don't believe me. Because you are not my sheep. So what the Pharisees are looking for from Jesus is a testimony, right? Testimony is two things. It's a statement under oath, and it's evidence. So they're looking for a statement under oath from Jesus, saying, just saying plainly, I am the Messiah. And we see this in Jesus' trial, right? The high priest says to Jesus, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And the evidence, you know, they're looking for the proof. And we see the, the, the Pharisees constantly at, tell, uh, saying to Jesus, Teacher, show us a sign. Show us a sign. So testimony always calls for a response. And testimony always divides. And we see this, right, through, through, through the Gospels. Constantly, the Jews are divided over who Jesus is. I'll tell, tell you a story. Joey, did you bring up a glass of water here? Is this, is this fresh? Thank you, brother. Cold, just like the scripture says. Okay, there's a listening to a um, a pastor, a young pastor down in um, Arizona, and he's talking about when he when he was a when he initially was a pastor, he, he was a chaplain at a drug and alcohol rehabilitation hospital, and he walked into this room, and there was a young Jewish woman there in the bed, and he introduced himself as the chaplain, and she said, "Oh, don't tell me about your Jesus. I'm a Jew." I don't believe in Jesus. And he said, okay, well, tell, let's just talk about, you know, your condition, why you're here and stuff like that. So they were talking. And then she, she said, okay, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about your Jesus, about you, what you Christians believe in. So this Jeff Durbin said, okay, I'll well, tell you what. I'll prove to you that Jesus is the Messiah from scriptures that we both agree on, right? The, the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, what, what the Christians have. I'll prove to you from there that Jesus is the Messiah. And she said, well, you could try, but I doubt it. So for two weeks, he visited her every day, going through the scriptures, right? The, the law and the Psalms and the prophets. 
showing her, you know, that Jesus is the Messiah. And then one day they were talking, and she stopped, and she picked up the phone, and she called her mom. Mom, mom, I think I'm starting to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. No, 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 we're Jews. We don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Mom, mom, I'm just looking at the scriptures. It's pointing to Jesus being the Messiah. No, 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 we're Jews. Shalom, shalom, we don't believe in Jesus. Mom, 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 is there any good reason why we don't believe Jesus is the Messiah? And there was silence for about two minutes. Mom, mom, are you there? Is there any good reason why we don't believe Jesus is the Messiah? No. That's what her mother said. And that's the truth, right? The testimony of Jesus was presented. Uh, the signs, it demanded a response. And the truth is, there's no good reason not to believe in Jesus. So what is the testimony of Jesus? Let's start off with what the Apostle John says. John wrote the gospel, this gospel that we're studying. Let's take a look at what John says. But in his first letter, John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim or we testify concerning the word of, concerning the word of life. The life appeared... We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And in chapter 5 of 1 John, he writes, We, ex- we accept human testimony. But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they, are not, because they have not believed the testimony of God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Anybody catch the repetitive word in that? There's one word that John kept repeating and repeating and repeating. Life, absolutely. And, right? And then we'll catch this again. Let's see what, what Jesus', Jesus t- testimony. I'm going to go through um, just some verses in the chapters that leading up to, to chapter 10. Just what Jesus says before this point. Just some, some of the things that the Pharisees would have heard. John 3, just as Moses lifted up uh, the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Also, John 5, Jesus says, For just as the Father raised the dead, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whomever he pleases to give. Uh, 5.26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. 6.33, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then Jesus uh, 6.35, Then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. John uh, 6.47, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes, in, uh, believes has eternal life. And John 10, 7-11, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come and go out 
and find pasture. <clears throat> the thief comes only to steal and to, uh, and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So there's Jesus' testimony. He's life, right? And we, we see this uh, later on in John 14. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The testimony of Jesus. So then, so then, so then, so, so why do these Pharisees keep asking, are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, I told you. I gave you my testimony, but you do not believe. So the Pharisees' response is, no. We reject your testimony. We don't believe it. We think it's false. And here's some of the, the response of the Pharisees. You have a demon. A prophet does not come out of Galilee. Your testimony is not valid. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. He is demon-possessed and raving mad. So that's their response to Jesus' testimony of himself. So then what about his evidence? This testimony that's the proof of what he says about himself. Pharisees reject his testimony too. They reject the signs, don't they? You know, it's not saying that the Pharisees would reject the signs. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that it's a, you know, it's a common known thing that the Jews desire a sign, right? He says that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. So Jesus gave them signs. It's the grace of God. The Jews desire signs. Jesus gave them signs as a testimony. John 21 John says, Jesus did many other things as well. If, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books uh, that would be written. So we see that there's no shortage of, of signs that Jesus did for the Pharisees not to believe in. And, and when Jesus talked talk to Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one performs these signs you are doing if God is not with them. No shortage of signs and, and Nicodemus, probably not speaking for all the Pharisees, but for, for, for some of them, you know, he says that, well, no one can do these signs unless someone's, uh, if God is with him. So why do they still doubt? Why do they doubt the evidence? Why do they doubt Jesus' claim and testimony? Well, perhaps they weren't the right signs. Right? Um, you know, we see the, the, the Pharisees asking him, Jesus, uh, uh, Rabbi, we want to see a sign. We, the rabbis. Right? You gave signs to, to the, the sinners and to the poor, but we, we are those who sit in, in Moses' seat, judgment seat. So we want our own sign. We want a sign from heaven, they said, as if Jesus, all his other signs weren't from heaven or weren't from the Father. So they wanted, they wanted a sign that's characteristically different than all the other signs. Perhaps they wanted, because they sat in Moses' seat, perhaps they wanted the sign of Moses. Right? In Exodus chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 4, when, uh, when Moses went to, back to Egypt to his brethren, he gave them three signs, right? He had a staff, threw it on the ground, the staff turned, to a stir, to, sorry, turned into a snake, he reached out, grabbed the staff, the snake it turned back to a serpent. He placed his hand in his cloak, took it out. It was white and leprous. Put it back in, took it out. It was restored. 
And of course, uh, the third one, Moses pours a pitcher of water onto the ground and the water turns to blood. So maybe these are the signs that the Pharisees are looking for Jesus. If Jesus would do these signs, maybe they would believe. See, but Jesus is doing greater signs than these that testify him because Jesus is doing what he calls the signs of the times. Right? Jesus says to them, you know, you, know, you can discern the sky, right? Uh, you, the, the weather. When, at night, when the, when the sky is red, you know the weather's going to be fair. In the morning, if the sky is red, you know, you know it's going to be a stormy day. How is it you can discern the, the, the weather, the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times? And what are these signs of the times? Well, Jesus, in, the, in, um, in one, one account, Jesus casts a demon out of a uh, blind and mute person. And this person could see again, and then he could speak again. And they accused Jesus of casting out these demons by the, the ruler of the demons, who is Beelzebub. And Jesus says, well, Satan casts out demons by, by Satan, when Satan is divided. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's a sign of the time, that the kingdom of God is coming. Right? That was Jesus when he first started, first started his ministry. Right? The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And when John the Baptist sent some of his uh, disciples to Jesus, are you the coming one? Go tell John the things that you see. Right? The blind see, the deaf hear, the lepers are cleansed, <clears throat> the poor have the, scripture, uh, have the gospel preached to them. Right? These are the signs of the times. Yet even then, the signs of the times clearly performed in the midst of the Pharisees, they still remained unbelieving. But Jesus will afford them one other sign, the greatest sign, right? The sign of Jonah, he says. That Jonah was dead three days in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And just as Jonah, who was dead, was resurrected so the Son of Man will be resurrected from the dead. And this is the greatest sign of the times. After, it's fascinating. After Jesus tells that, it's Matthew chapter 12, after Jesus says that, Jesus says something fascinating. There's a parable, he says, that we're all, we're all familiar with. He says, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept uh, clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Then Jesus says, that is how it will be with this wicked generation. That's the comparison Jesus is saying. So what Jesus is saying here, this is my understanding of it, is that God cleansed Israel of an, uh, a disobedient and idolatry nation. Right? The Israelites were taken into captivity. The evil spirit was taken out. The Israelites come back. Um, Hanukkah, you know, they cleanse the temple. The man is clean. It's sweat. What Jesus is saying, 
But the generation that is in Israel now, that's seven times, if you could use that word, it's just, it, it's in worse condition. It, it is more wicked and more adulterous than the first generation that was here. So it's no surprise then that, that these Pharisees would reject Jesus' testimony, that they would reject his evidence if they are wicked and unfaithful. If they are wicked and unfaithful, well, then they are unable to be his sheep, right? And if they're unable to be his sheep, they don't hear the voice of the good shepherd. They are not known by him, and nor are they, nor are they willing to follow him. Then we come to these precious verse, verses in uh, verses 28 and 30. These precious gems of theology that always come out in, in these arguments that Jesus has. He says, about his sheep, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And for the sheep, for us, these are like blessed, you know, the blessed assurance, right? These are just words of blessed assurance. But I think in the, in the, in the context that they were given, these words are actually a woe to the Pharisees and the scribes. Woe to those who are not his sheep. For here are the determined consequences of the Pharisees' rejection of the testimony of Jesus and his works is set forth in alarming seriousness. Right? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You are not my sheep. You shall not have eternal life. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You are not my sheep. You will perish. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You are not my sheep. You have not been given to me by my Father. You are not secure in my hand. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You are not my sheep. You are not secure in my Father's hand. So where the sheep find blessed assurance in these words, there are woes to those who are not his sheep, to those who do not believe, and to these Pharisees who have rejected him. But these, but these woes are just signs of God's mercy, aren't they? Because Jesus is revealing to these people, to these Pharisees, their heart, their wicked heart, the, the dire condition of their heart. And by doing so, he's also revealing to them the kindness of God. Romans 2.4, do you... Uh, do you or, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that, the, that God's kindness is intended, uh, intended to lead you to repentance? So Jesus is casting woes upon these, people, on these men that, so they can see the wickedness of their heart so that they, can, that they will turn to God and repent. Right? John 8.24, John 8, If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. That's a very serious claim that Jesus makes. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. But we know where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Absolutely. Right? Ezekiel 8, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of a sinner if anyone declares the sovereign Lord. Therefore repent and live. First Timothy, God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And to the Jews, God says through Isaiah, all day long I've held out my hand to a disobedient and stubborn people. 
So that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus is the hand of God, right? Being held out to the, to the, to these, uh, disobedient and stubborn people. That's what Jesus is doing all through chapter 10. Reaching out his hand. He says, I've told you, I've told you. Look at the sign. Jesus keeps referring back to the signs through this chapter. I've shown you the signs. Jesus even says, you know, um, if I have not done the signs, don't believe me. Don't believe me. If I have not done the signs from the Father, don't believe me. But if I have done them, believe me. Believe me for the sake of the signs that you may know that I am with the Father and the Father is with me. So near the end of the chapter, we, we see after all this, they still tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Look, and as, as a result, Jesus went back across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing in the early days, and there he stayed. Here's Jesus. He's leaving them, isn't it? He's departing them. And we see this again in John 11. Therefore, Jesus, after the, uh, the, uh, the Pharisees are plotting to kill Jesus and to kill Lazarus, who he raised from the dead, says, therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly to the, uh, in the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region in the wilderness, to a village where he stayed with his disciples. What a t- testimony against the Jews, against the Pharisees, that Jesus would, would withdraw from them. And we know that's the same with people today, right? If they keep rejecting Jesus, rejecting Jesus, eventually he will withdraw from them. So all day long, the hand of Israel's Messiah reached out, reached out to them with the testimony of God. However, however, they remained disobedient and stubborn. Though Jesus would tell them plainly, though his good works would testify to his claim, their verdict would stay the same. Blasphemy. I'm so glad that John put those last verses in this chapter, or after this, you know, after verse after verse of Jesus contending with them and, and just the rejection we, we have here, and many, many people came to him after he had left. And many, many people came to him and they said, though John never performed, uh, performed a sign, so although John had no testimony of himself, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many people believed in Jesus. So here at the end, we have the good shepherd with his sheep, right? They listen to him. They hear his voice. He knows them. They follow him. And soon, Irene, the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep and he'll give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will pluck them from his hand and no one will snatch them from the Father's hand. We have one more song for closing and while Vicky and Dave come up, I want us all to turn to, in our agreement hymnal to the scripture reading 658. Read this together as our closing before the last song. So the congregation response is in the bold text. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life.
He believes in he who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not uh, shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Lord, as we hear the final notes uh, in that song, we do stand amazed in your presence that we, are, we can be fearless in your protective hand. We thank you for that protection and for the promises that you've given. Pray that many others would hear and would come to believe and come to follow the shepherd and might find themselves secure in him. We pray in his name. Amen.